thank you all, um, Pastor Chris, especially for allowing us to have the opportunity to lead the service today. The worship team did a great job. Richard has been um, the leader of the worship team yes. now for well over a year, and we're calling new students up, so thank you for that. It is a privilege and an honor, as I said, to be the student director of Strong Tower Bible Church, to walk with our students in this crazy place called life. Um, I've been here for a little over six years, and it has been definitely an amazing journey. There are times where we're on the mountain, and then there's times that we're in the trenches, and all of it is equally um, good. So I wanted, I'm really excited today. First of all, rising sixth graders, welcome again. We are going to have an orientation for you in July sometime. We wanted to invite you into the service today so you could see how your fellow youth lead. But back in February, I don't know if you all remember, Pastor Chris did a message entitled Gay Rights versus Civil Rights. How many here were for, here for that? All right. I wanted to thank you, Pastor Chris, because this message has actually kicked off amazing discussion for our students. We started over at the house on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 8 o'clock, grades 6 through 12. You're more than welcome to join us any Wednesday night. But we've been talking about this whole agenda called the open agenda. And what I mean by that is that we really do live in this culture that allows us to believe that anything goes. So we've been going through this book. It's called Not Open, and it's written by a, um, a mother and a son, and it's kind of cross-cultural, and they are reclaiming the word of God. They are reclaiming the truth of God because we live in a world that is anything but that. And I'm really excited today because today we're going to be talking about the authoritative Word of God. And if there's anything that can get us more excited, it's just that, the Word of God. So we live in this world where we have tolerance and acceptance. We're taking on new meaning. Um, I even heard that there were actual words in the dictionary that meant one thing in one year and mean something completely different now. So even our dictionaries are changing the words and what they mean, but the one thing that cannot change is the Word of God, the authoritative Word of God. And while the world is busy redefining everything else for us, it's one thing that it cannot. But the problem is, is that it's happening in the church as well. We have a lot of things going on in the church, a lot of things that just are not good, and our young people, their minds are just so acceptable to it that if they don't understand what they're standing on, they're not going to understand how to stand for it whenever they're actually in the world. I get so tired of trying to undo what culture has done to our young people. It's like this, this game that's like the wheels on the bus. They just keep going round and round and round. I was at a coffee shop a couple weeks ago doing some work, and I just had to pause for a second because I saw all these people just coming. It was a real trendy place, so we had, you know, all the latest trends, you know, the cars going down the road, bumping the latest music, the billboards on the side of the road, and I'm just like, Lord, we are lost. We are losing this battle. Like, the world is everywhere. And in that still, small voice, God whispered, but so am I. So the last thing that our students need is another topical discussion about culture and the world around them. The only thing that they need is the authoritative word of God given to them so they can understand it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity today to stand here. Although not worthy, I thank you that you have given me the opportunity to walk with these students. 
to be in this world with them. Thank you that in all of the time and space that you chose this moment, all of us together today on a Sunday morning to hear your word. And I pray just that, that these would be your words that come from my mouth, that everything else would disappear, and that we would truly be able to understand and bite down and really chew on your word for ourselves. Lord, that we would have the correct interpretations, that we would just have your spirit running through us in a way that we've never felt before. We ask it, and we will give you glory. In your name, amen. So, Pastor, you left us on that sermon with Matthew 5.13 that says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So basically, the way that we understand this is this. The Bible says that I should be the salt of the earth to preserve the word, to stand up for what God says. If I lose my saltiness, go against what the word says, then I will be like the world. The problem is, though, is we don't understand what we're reading or what we need to be salt for, then we're not going to be any good to anything. So whenever we went down and, and sat with our students, we started talking about this passage, we started talking about the open agenda. And let's just stop and pause real quick. Let's talk about some serious problems the world has. Yes, we know the world has some problems, but let's talk about church problems. We took a team of students out to Richmond, California last July. And out in Richmond, California, they have their own problems out there. Richmond is a very impoverished area. They're dealing with sex trafficking and drug abuse and really recovery efforts. For the most part, the week that we spent, the people that came in and out of the doors at Richmond at Living Hope, they were just earnestly seeking the love of God because they had nothing else. There was one church in the town, and anyone who wanted to come and seek the word of God, they came to that church. There was an authenticism to their hearts and what they were searching for. But here in Middle Tennessee, in the belt buckle of the Bible Belt, we've got a church on every single corner, just like Starbucks. We can, if we don't like this church, we can go to another church. We've got 10 billion different places that we can pick to go and listen to the word of God. Have you guys ever caught yourself living in Middle Tennessee here giving cliche church answer, answers to people? Let me explain that. So we try to explain this to our kids that the church answer is always the right answer, but we don't always understand why it is the right answer. So let's just say you're in a conversation with someone. Maybe their car just broke down. Oh, you know the Lord's just going to provide for you. Hallelujah. Amen. It's almost like on cue you're waiting for it. Well, praise the Lord. The church answer. It's always the right answer. But sometimes we just go to it because it's just something that we're used to doing. So our time in the word, our time with the Lord, our time with people around us becomes more of a mundane, well, it's Sunday, I've got to go to church. Well, it's Wednesday, I've got to go, go to church. And of course, we're talking and praising and thinking and, and singing to God, but are we, are we earnestly just grabbing a hold of it the way those people in Richmond are because they have nothing else? Are we treating the word of God as if it is our lifeline? And that's the question I want to ask you guys today because our students are in the middle of this whole church culture problem. And as a youth director in Middle Tennessee, especially the Franklin-Nashville area, the last thing that we need is to be 
unaware of the problems that our students are facing. And yes, they're facing sex before marriage and alcohol abuse and temptation and all these things, but they're also struggling with not understanding the word of God for themselves. We live in such a microwave society. A lot of our students don't even come to church with, with a Bible. A lot of us all don't come to church without a Bible, and there's nothing wrong with that because we've got all these apps and we've got the Bible on our phone, and that's a great thing. But if you don't understand how to read this, then we're not setting ourselves up for a future living on the authoritative word of God. But today, we're going to discover some truths about God. Sixth rising sixth graders, you are at a pivotal point in your life right now especially in your faith, because you're about to move from the childhood prayer, something like this, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. How many have prayed that before they went to bed? All right, so it is time for you all to start moving away from those types of prayers. Nothing wrong with them up until this point. But now we need to start praying and understanding why we're praying what we're praying and who we're praying to. It's time for you to start grabbing onto your own faith and understanding and chewing on it. It's not your parents' faith anymore. It's yours. And you will be held accountable for it. So it's time. So we're about to step up. So in the beginning, if we want to talk about the authoritative word of God, we got to go all the way back to Genesis. I love Genesis. Nine times out of ten, when a student comes to me with a question, I take them back to Genesis, and they kind of roll their eyes at me. But I'm like, it all started there. When we were in Israel, Christy, Dr. Jim said the very first day, if there were two pages in your Bible that you could rip out, it would be the pages that say New Testament and Old Testament. Because we have to be able to read the authoritative word of God as one book. It is not the New Testament. It is not the Old Testament. It is one story. The same God in the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. So we're going back to the beginning. We're going to learn some things about Jesus today in the book of Genesis. All right, he also said the next thing that would go would be the little chapter titles. Um, so you don't have to read those whenever you read your Bible. It doesn't make you less holy if you skip over those. Um, so in the beginning, the Word of God is God. John 1.1 1, 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So let's stop and pause right there. The Word, the Word of God is God. I am holding in my hands the Word of God. Did this book just come a lot more cooler to you? This is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Everything that we read in this book is a direct lifeline to God. Everything in here. All right? So those of you who don't know where your Bible are is, whether it's you have to dig it out from under your bed or, you know, out from the seat cushion in the car this morning because you're coming to church, I would just highly, highly, highly recommend you find this sucker and read it. If you don't have a Bible, there's a table in the Lost and Found down in the fellowship hall. Um, Tanya, this is a plug for your Lost and Found stuff. There's a ton of Bibles. Some of them even have the names engraved in them. So we know who you are. So you should go get your Bible because this, thing, this is the lifeline. So the Bible is God's communication to us. The question is, do we have the ability to listen? So I want you guys to let that sing in. This is God's communication with us. Out of all the things that he could have left in a book for us, 
the things that are in this book are what he felt was the most important. Of course, he's going to teach us new things through his spirit. But what he felt that we needed to um, make it through every test of history are in this book. The question is, do you have the ability to listen? How many of us read our Bibles and have absolutely no idea what it's saying? Thank you, Elise, for being honest. I love our students. I love the transparency. I mean, there's times where I'm reading the book and I'm just like, man, I just have a problem with Paul. Like, he like, just run on sentences all the time. Like, anyone else? And the other night I was in, in the bed reading. I'm like, oh. Michael's like, what's wrong? I'm like, Paul. I was like, well, like, why are all these run-on sentences? So there are times, I get it, where we just don't understand what we're reading. But we're reading just because we have to. Let's get through the Bible in a year, right? But if we don't understand what we're, what we're reading, then we can't understand how we can apply it to our lives. So in the beginning, God gives Adam and Eve a law. Let's go back to Genesis. Why do we have laws? To protect us. Most of the time, the person giving a law is revealing the character of the person. Okay? So think of a law in your mind that you, that you obey, hopefully. And think about the person that gave it and think about the character behind the law. So God gives Adam and Eve a law. What does he say? Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because God doesn't want you to have any fun. No, because he wants to protect Adam and Eve from something. Genesis 2, 15 through 17 says this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, certainly you will die. Again, the person giving the law reveals the character of that person. So God gives Adam a law, a command, a rule. Do not eat from the tree or what? You will die. These are heavy things. We cannot take scripture lightly. Here's the law. Here's the consequence. Then what happens? In Genesis 3, 1 comes a serpent. And he starts to twist the words of God. Did God really say that you cannot eat from any tree in the garden? And when you think about it, the enemy is still using the same cunning language today as what he was back in the garden. There's nothing new under the sun for the enemy. Did God really say? He starts to twist the words of God. So in an effort to protect Adam, he gives them a command, one that shows his character, to protect them from death. But here we come and we say, you know what? God just doesn't want me to have fun anymore. I get this all the time with the students with um, what he says about sex before marriage, homosexuality, all these things. Well, you know, God just doesn't want me to have fun. Well, maybe God just wants to protect you. So why didn't God just say, listen, Adam, there's this creeper rolling up in the garden, and his name is Satan, and he's disguised himself as a snake, and he's going to come and deceive you, so you should probably stay away from him. Why didn't God just say that to Adam and Eve? Because God does not need to explain himself. He is the authoritative power governing over Adam and Eve. So I need this to sink in for you guys. When God gives us a law, it's to protect us, not for us to question. Now, God walked with man, so I'm sure he was there in the garden with Adam a lot, walking with him, breathing with him, doing life with him, but yet he still 
was deceived by the enemy. So don't think that we can't be today either. Because the enemy is using the same things that he's doing over and over again. The case was not that God should have told them about the snake. The case is that Adam and Eve disobeyed the legitimate authority of God. So many of us have gotten it wrong, which is why our salt has been mixed with different salt shakers in the, in the spice cabinet. There's seasoned salt, and there's onion salt, and there's all these different salts. But all the spices in the cabinet know that there's only one legitimate source. But over time, all of our salt has kind of mingled with all these other spices. So now we've got the open theory. We've got acceptance, and we've got tolerance, and we've got the New Age church being preached to our students. So when they're going to school, they don't even know how to stand on the truth because they don't even understand what it says because the world is over here redefining everything for them. So what is our job of the church is to come and continue to just pray the Holy Spirit over these students, to pray the Holy Spirit over our lives because there is nothing that we can do outside of that. We must preserve the word of God. The consequence to sin is death. Now, I want you guys to see death as a separation from God. A consequence is not a punishment. Do not get, get God's love confused with condemnation. All right? It's a consequence to our actions. He's not condemning us to death. It's a consequence that we're choosing. But we've so just taken the word of God so lightly that we skip past in Genesis. It says, you will know death. You will taste death. And we forget it because we don't understand the weight of it. In order to obey God's commands, we've got to experience and know a good God who wants to protect us. If we have any other view of God, then we are worshiping the wrong God. He wants to protect us. He wants to love us. It doesn't matter what his word says. The reality is this. Until we see God's word for what it is, we will not obey what he asks. We cannot go out and be the salt of the world if we don't know what we're putting salt on. God's word is not debatable. There was a young student in um, student ministry one Wednesday night, and he said, um, you know, my friends come up to me. They know I'm a Christian. They're always asking, you know, does God's word really say this? Man, I just had to stop, and I looked at one of the other leaders, and I was just like, there's the enemy again with the same words he used in the garden. Does God's word really say this? Yes, it really does. There are no gray areas with homosexuality, abortion, sex before marriage. We complicate it. The Bible is very, very black and white. It cannot be debated. The charge is this, church. Parents, leaders, students, I want to challenge you all to pray. Because the only thing that we can do is ask that the Holy Spirit come and rest on this body, on this church, and preserve the word of God here. I promise you we will never be a topical-based student ministry. We'll talk about topics, and we'll sit in the trenches, and we'll listen to all the stories and all the things that the students are going through, but it will not be without the authoritative word of God. So I want to ask you guys to be praying fervently for the Holy Spirit to come and rest on our students, to rest in this body. So I want to ask my leaders to stand. If you are a leader here um, in the student ministry, could you stand right now? I know Elder Clifton, Elder Aubrey, Kathleen, um, Christy back here, Ronnie, Stephanie, Candice, um, Ashley. We got the McClungs back here, Aubrey, K Terry. 
Brian, and some of them aren't here. Can we just give these guys a round of applause? Not because, not because they're doing anything in their strength, but because they decide to give something up. And when you give something up, you make room for God. You guys can be seated. You give room for God to fill you with something. And at our last leaders meeting, we were talking a little bit about that, that if we're not willing to give something, then we're not leaving any room for God to come in and work. And these guys are in the trenches with your students, with your kids. And it's great. It's a great ministry. We go to the water park. We, play bomb, we go to the bonfires and play death hack and the whole thing. But we're talking about the word of God, and this is heavy stuff because if we don't get it right, then we're not able to give it back to you guys right. So I want to ask you guys to pray for your leaders as well because they're the ones that are giving the word and probably the only legitimate way that they're receiving it outside of your home because they're not getting it on the school bus. They're not getting it in the schoolyard. They're not getting it over at Johnny's house. They need to get it in the church. They need to get it at home. So please pray for these guys. The plan is this. Our student ministry is so awesome. We have about, um, about 60 students on a good day. They don't all come at the same time. But we have about 60 very diverse students. Beginning September 7th, we're going to kick off what we like to call our student CEE classes. We're going to meet from 9 to 1010 over at the house. And we're going to give an opportunity for our, our students to pick five, from five different classes to be able to take for a nine-week semester. These things are going to fall under our five principles that we go by on, at, um, at Strong Tower. Those five principles are this. We will always seek Christ intimately. We will always stand apart from the culture we live in. We will always step into our leadership, build healthy relationships, and serve our community. This is our vision so every single class that is being taught falls under one of these categories. We're going to kick that off in September. We're going to continue to meet on Wednesday nights. Everyone always asks me, do we take a break for the summer? We will meet on Wednesday nights until the rapture comes. We will never take a break unless it's like Thanksgiving or Christmas or something like that. So please feel free to join us, students. We have about 11 students on Wednesday night. It's a great small group format. But on Sunday, that's going to be our hub where we reach all of the students that are coming in here. And I want to just charge you as a church, if you are not serving somewhere, we would love for you to serve on our team. We would love for you to come and lead our kids. Our motto is love them before you lead them. They've got to trust you with their physical need before you can speak to their spiritual need. Is that me? I took my earrings out. Is a serpent right now. <laughs> this, this one? Good. All right. So our motto is to love them before we lead them. So if you are not currently serving anywhere, I want to ask you guys to just examine your hearts. My earnest prayer has been, Lord, please send us leaders who are, in, or who are in a season to want to give of their time. A lot of our leaders are always giving. They also work full-time jobs. I, I, I know most of us in here do. I know David McClung sometimes comes right from work, or still sweating, building your landscape, doing your ponds and all that. But he's there, and he's invested, and we know that his heart is there. We know, we know him by his character. So we want to invite you guys in. With J.T. Moore right down the road, we've got 
um, to build our leadership team more diverse. We need men. We need African-American men to come and walk with these young students. So again, I want to ask you guys, if you're not serving anywhere, or maybe you are serving somewhere already, if you would please come and talk to me. I'd love to go get coffee with you. Send me an email. would love to get together. would love to get to know your heart. We would love for you to be part of our team. So while we teach topics, we'll also teach the legitimate authority of God. So if any of that excites you, I want to invite you in. At this time, I'm going to have Elder Aubrey Smith, who also serves on our leadership team. So Aubrey, if you could come forward. And if you're a student rising 6th grade to 12th grade, could you please stand? Or come on in. Yeah, come on in. Come on down. All right, come on. Come on, come on, come on. And I want to charge the church right now to stand up, come gather around these kids, stretch out your hand, and I want you, like you've never prayed before, to ask that the Holy Spirit comes. We sang, Richard, let us in the Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That the Holy Spirit would come and rest on these kids because they are the salt. Pastor Chris, you're going to be not here one day. We love you, but someone's going to be taking your place, and it's going to be one of these students. Pastor John, Pastor D, somebody up here is going to be taking your place one day, and we have got to pray that they are leading this church on the authoritative power of God. So, Elder Aubrey, could you lead us in a prayer for the Holy Spirit? Gracious and eternal God, our Father, we recognize even right now, dear God, as we stand before you, that the children, not just the adults, oh God, the children are in the midst of a warfare. They have been bombarded, oh God, on every side with what this nation deemed to be important to them. But Father God, so often those images are in direct conflict of what you're calling them to be. And now, Almighty God, as they stand here, I pray, O Mighty God, even right now, that they would feel the unbelievable power and conviction of the Holy Spirit. That, dear God, they are better than what they're seeing on TV, what they're seeing on the Internet, what they're seeing on billboards, what they might be hearing in the classroom or on the school bus. Father God, let them know, even right now, dear God, they are better and you're calling them, oh God, to soar above mediocrity. You're calling them, God, to be the very best in which you have created them to be. Let them know, mighty God, without question that they are fearfully and wonderfully made for you, by you, and for your glory. Help them, I pray, even right now, dear God, to let them know they don't have to submit themselves to the things of this world. Father God, for they are in this world, but they are not of this world. They, Heavenly Father, are uniquely and divine made by you. Heavenly Father, there is a calling on their very lives, O oh Father. And I ask you right now to, to impregnate them, I pray, O oh God, with the desire and the hunger and the, the, the unbelievable zeal, Almighty God, to love you with all of their hearts, their soul, and their minds, and their bodies. Father God, I pray that they will submit themselves now to your calling. Help them to be an example, I pray, Almighty God. Heavenly Father, in their conduct, in their love, and in their purity, Heavenly Father, I pray that no man, they, that they will feel confident, oh God, that they don't have to let any man despise thy youth. Almighty oh, God, though they're young, I pray that you will help them to be strong. Strong, almighty oh, God. 
to stand against the wiles of the enemy. Heavenly Father, though he may come in and try to deceive them, Almighty God, give them clarity. Give them wisdom beyond their age. Heavenly Father, they may know what the truth really is. Heavenly Father, I pray even right now that you would, Heavenly Father, enable them to see the enemy coming from afar off. Heavenly Father, that you might prepare them and, and gird them up, Almighty God, to stand against the fiery dots of the enemy. Lord God, we thank you and we praise you for all that you are doing in their lives. And we ask you to keep them, support them, and love them, Almighty God. Father, we just thank you like has been prayed. The Bible said of young Daniel, he made up in his mind to serve you because he had an encounter with you. Lord, I pray that each and every one of these young ones will have an encounter with you in the name of Jesus. Father, Lord, you will invade their hearts. You will draw them close to you, that they will come to know you directly, and they will long for you in the name of Jesus. And wherever they find themselves, Lord, they will stand for you continually and always and look to you and you alone in the name of Jesus, that your grace, your glory will shine upon them continually in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your goodness and we worship you. We thank you because you will do marvelous things. That the work that you're doing, Lord, will see the fruition in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated, please. And again, I just want to thank you all for supporting our ministry, supporting our students. So I'm going to hand it back over to Pastor Chris here. Man, what a wonderful day of worship and really uh, strategy as we hear our student director share what's going to happen in the fall. In the fall, we're going to have a Christian Education Equipping Center, the CEEC, will begin for adults as well as students and our children from uh, 9 to 10.10, and then church will start at 10.30. So more opportunities to equip one another, not only with fellowship, but above all with the authoritative word of God. Many different offerings that we're going to have, not only for students, but also for adults in the fall. So hang with us through the summer. As a matter of fact, uh, you so pricked my heart with what you're talking about that in July, um, I'm going to take some of these issues that students deal with just to kind of get the ball rolling, and I'm going to talk about them, okay? And I want you and the students to give me some of those things, some of the issues, some of the temptations, some of the challenges that they face. It could be things with their home as far as if they're adopted or if they're in a home that's a blended family. Uh, it can be marijuana use. It can be whatever that our students are facing. Um, Kate did a great job today with the monologue as far as how much our kids put so much in outward appearance and not enough in their identity in Christ. So we're going to scratch that place. We're going to deal with it. Um, just seeing our future up here today and knowing what God is doing now with FCA. Um, we love young people here. What he's doing in our children's ministry, the kingdom kids. Um, praise God. Uh, a healthy church has young people in it, um, and we're going to keep them. We're going to keep them. We're going to talk their language. We're going to reach them. Amen. Amen, somebody. Amen. We're going to want them loving church. Not like, oh, I got to go to church. No, no, no. 